O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Alleluia. The true God, one in three, and three in one. O come, let us worship him. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth, the strength of the hills is his also. It is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, Never shall be world without end. Amen. The true God, one in three and three in one. O come, let us worship him. Behold, God is mine helper. The Lord is with them that uphold my soul. He shall reward evil unto mine enemies. Cut them off in thy truth. Save me, O God, by thy name, and judge me by thy strength. Hear my prayer, O God, give ear to the words of my mouth. For strangers are risen up against me, and oppressors seek after my soul. They have not set God before them. For he hath delivered me out of all trouble, and my eye hath seen his desire upon mine enemies. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be world without end. Amen. Behold, God is mine helper. The Lord is with them that uphold my soul. He shall reward evil unto mine enemies. Cut them off in thy truth.
The Old Testament lesson for the ninth Sunday after Trinity is written in the 22nd chapter of the second book of the prophet Samuel, beginning at the 26th verse. With the merciful, you will show yourself merciful. With the perfect man, you will show yourself perfect. With the pure, you will show yourself pure. With the crooked, you will show yourself shrewd. You will save the afflicted people, but your eyes are on the arrogant that you may bring them down. For you are my lamp, O Lord. The Lord will light up my darkness. For by you I run against a troop. By my God I leap over a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is tested. He is a shield to all those who take refuge in him. For who is God besides the Lord? Who is a rock besides our God? God is my strong fortress. He makes my way perfect. He makes his feet like Heinz's feet, and sets me on my high places. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The epistle is written in the tenth chapter of the first epistle to the Corinthians, beginning at the sixth verse. Brothers, now these things were our examples, to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Don't be idolaters, as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Let's not commit sexual immorality as some of them committed, and in one day 23,000 fell. Let's not test Christ as some of them tested and perished by the serpents. Don't grumble as some of them also grumbled and perished by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them by way of example, and they were written for our admonition, on whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore let him who thinks he stands be careful that he doesn't fall. No temptation has taken you except what is common to man. God is faithful, 
who will not allow you to be tempted above what you are able, but will with the temptation also make the way of escape, that you may be able to endure it. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. Alleluia. The Holy Gospel is according to St. Luke, the 16th chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Jesus also said to his disciples, There was a certain rich man who had a manager. An accusation was made to him that this man was wasting his possessions. He called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Give an accounting of your management, for you can no longer be manager. The manager said within himself, What will I do, seeing that my Lord is taking away the management position from me? I don't have strength to dig. I am ashamed to beg. I know what I will do, so that when I am removed from management, they may receive me into their houses. Calling each one of his Lord's debtors to him, he said to the first, How much do you owe to my Lord? He said, A hundred baths of oil. He said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. And he said to another, How much do you owe? He said, A hundred cores of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. His Lord commended the dishonest manager because he had done wisely, for the children of this world are, in their own generation, wiser than the children of the light. I tell you, make for yourselves friends by means of unrighteous mammon, so that when you fail, they may receive you into the eternal tents. He who is faithful in a very little is faithful also in much. He who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much." If, therefore, you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? If you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to one and despise the other. You aren't able to serve God and mammon. Here ends the gospel. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. How about we start off this sermon with a little catechesis pop quiz. So here we go. What's the first article of the creed? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. You're a little nervous, that's all right. All right, next question. What's the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer? Give us this day our daily bread. All right, well, at least think about this next one. Where the small catechism explains the first article and fourth petition, what is the stuff, the material goods, not the people, but the material goods 
that we teach that God gives us and that we pray for. Do you remember what they are? It's in the explanation of the small catechism. If you look at both answers, or if you look at both the first article and fourth petition, it says, everything that belongs to the support and wants of the body, clothing and shoes, meat and drink, house and homestead, fields, cattle, money, all my goods. You were a little quiet during that pop quiz, but I assume that you know what the answers was, so you all passed. It's okay. But what I want you to notice in that explanation given by the small catechism is why God gives us these things, these physical, temporal things. It says, for the support and wants of the body, so that we have our physical needs met day by day and can live because God gives us these things. But then we come to the gospel this morning. And as we receive all these physical, earthly, temporal blessings from the hand of God, our Lord this morning attaches a warning to those blessings, those temporal blessings. And it is this. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other, you cannot serve God and money. Actually, the Greek there is you cannot serve God and mammon. You can't serve God and earthly riches, whatever those riches are. So if all these earthly riches come from God, why would our Lord slap a warning on them? And actually, many of us have more than just daily bread, don't we? We have bank accounts with money. We have investments for the future. We have deep freezers full of meat. We have homes with beautiful decorations, appliances that last for years, air conditioning, which is great in August. Most of us have an abundance of physical possessions, an abundance of daily bread, not just that for today, but for tomorrow. Now, why would God give all that abundance to us if these physical possessions are dangerous and need a warning? Again, that warning is you cannot, serve both ma you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. And our Lord gives this warning in the story of the unjust steward. And so our gospel begins with this. Jesus also said to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager. And charges were brought to him that this man, his manager, was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. Now notice, our Lord tells this story to his disciples. That is, he tells this story to his church specifically. Yet notice that as he tells this story to his church, to his saints, the main character in this story is a wasteful, dishonest manager. He's a thief. And if you look at the epistle, this manager seems like the type of person that St. Paul warns us not to be like. He's an idolater because he idolizes money. He's most likely the type that eats, drinks, and rises up to play, who indulges in sexual immorality. He's taken everything that the rich man, that God has given him, and he's abused it. And eventually, in, early in the story, his sins catch up with him, and he's confronted by the rich man. 
His time of judgment with the rich man has come. Now, if you look at our collect this morning, what we prayed this morning, we prayed to God, let your merciful ears, your merciful ears, be open to the prayers of us, your humble servants. Maybe your humble managers would fit there too. We ask that the ears of God may appeal to his mercy, that, he, that our prayers may come to his ears and, and bring his mercy to us. But in this story, it was the ears of the rich man's judgment, not his mercy, but his judgment, which were opened as people brought their charges against the manager. And it was judgment, not mercy, which came down on this manager. So St. Paul tells us about how judgment came down on 23,000 Israelites who were judged and put to death for their idolatry, who were doing the things that this manager was doing. And like the Israelites were judged, so is the manager being judged. He was condemned and fired. He had to turn in the account of his management. He was kicked out of the house and business of the rich man. So that's the story so far. And if we stop there, our Lord seems to be holding up this manager as an example for his church not to follow. As if our Lord was saying the manager's master was, was not the rich man. The manager served riches. He didn't just use the riches for the support and needs of the body. The manager used them to idolize money. He used them for his fleshly lusts. As if our Lord were saying so far, you in the church do not be like this man. Which is understandable. And if our Lord ended his story right there, it'd be short and pithy. And his warning about not having two masters could be easily understood and taken to heart. But then if you meditate on the story a little bit more, questions do pop up. For instance, if the manager hadn't wasted the rich man's possessions, what was he supposed to do to manage and steward them? The man is rich, which means there would have been an abundance of earthly riches beyond the rich man's needs and the steward's needs, the manager's needs. So how should the abundance be managed? Should it be stored away? Invested? Kept in a vault? Put in a bank account? Should it be buried so that no one knows where it is? Should it be stuffed in a mattress? Should he manage the money by tucking it away and keeping it away from others just in case at a later day the rich man or him would need it in the future? All these questions pop up because the man is rich. How do you manage the riches? And if you look at the story, how it continues, our Lord answers these questions in a very interesting way. He says, and the manager said to himself, what shall I do? Since my master is taking the management away from me, I'm not strong enough to dig and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? He said, a hundred measures of oil. He said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of oil, a hundred measures of wheat. 
He said to him, take your bill and write 80. Do you see what our Lord does here in this part of the story? Initially, he gives us this, he tells us of this dishonest manager. He's wasteful. He's too weak of a man to dig and do manual labor. He's too proud of a man to beg, which is amazing. Even in the midst of being fired, he still thinks too highly of himself to beg. So right here at this part in the middle of the story, he sounds like a pathetic, low-ranking, white-collar criminal. But then our Lord turns the story on its head. The manager shows his shrewdness. He looks at the master's riches. Instead of using those riches for his gluttony and lust, the manager cleverly finds a way to use those riches for his own survival. It's still stealing, but it's not really wasteful. He uses the riches, in this case the value of those indebted to the rich man, he uses those riches to make friends. So that when he is fired, he will have friends that he can turn to to have a roof over his head, food in his belly, and even be given a job. So by his shrewdness, he'll have all his physical needs met. And so for one debtor, he cuts the bill in half. For another, he cuts it by 20%. And he does this on and on and on for all the debtors he can meet with before he's fired. And these debtors... Think of it, if you had 50% of your mortgage forgiven, 20% of your car loan forgiven, that's a lot of money. Same for these debtors. They were released from a large financial obligation. And the face that they remember with that forgiveness is the manager's. So they're not going to forget about him anytime soon. The manager, he's cutting, he's shrewd, he's clever. And then you see how everything changes in this story with the next line. The master commended. He didn't condemn. He commended and condoned the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. Everything flips with that statement. Suddenly, this manager becomes an example to follow, to be like. We as a church have something to emulate from the dishonest manager and it's not from his idolatry or gluttony or lust or dishonesty it's his shrewdness it's his cleverness that's being teased out of this story and as our lord says that he then hammers the point home he says for the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light and i tell you make friends for yourselves Make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth. Throughout this, we shouldn't forget that the manager, like the world, has an idol that he worships. You could argue that he worships himself, or his belly, or money, or worldly goods. Whatever it is, he is an idolater and does not worship the rich man. Now, the rich man in this story stands in the place of God. He doesn't serve the rich man. He serves and worships the idol. And in his idolatry, he is shrewd and clever. He knows how to best use his earthly possessions for himself and the idols he serves, and he works at it all the time. 
With this story of the dishonest manager, our Lord teaches us why earthly goods come with his warning. And he shows us how we ought to pray for and use these earthly goods. Again, go back to the collect that we prayed. We prayed not only that God would hear our prayers in his mercy, but also that we may obtain the petitions of our prayer so that we may obtain the petitions of our prayer, we pray to God, make us, recreate us to ask for such things as shall please you. Don't let us pray for things that are adulterous, that serve idols. Help us pray for things that please you. You are not sons of the world. You are sons of the light. You pray to God confidently knowing that he hears you in his mercy. He doesn't hear you in his judgment, but in his mercy, because you are sons of light and he is your father. So we pray, give us this day our daily bread, not with anxiety and not with a worry that our prayers won't be answered or that we'll go without our daily necessities. But we pray this fourth petition in confidence, knowing he will hear our prayer and knowing he will give to us as we need. And we know that he'll hear and answer us because of this. Because God spared not even his own son, but sent him to die for us. So that by his crucifixion we're saved. By his blood poured out we are forgiven. By his death and resurrection we have been delivered from eternal death. This is what you receive from the Father. In baptism, we receive the righteousness of Christ. At the altar... We receive that which is heavenly. It's not earthly. In the pews beside us are the eternal treasures of God. His children. His saints. If we've been given all this in Christ, which is heavenly, which will be ours for eternity, why should we then be anxious about receiving that which is earthly in this life but lasts for a time? If we have been given all that is righteous and saves, why should we worry about unrighteous wealth that we have today is gone tomorrow and which cannot save us? And so we confess God to be our creator and we pray, give us this day our daily bread. We pray these as sons of light. We pray this petition because in baptism he recreated us to pray such things as please him. In baptism We've been given the Spirit and the Lord's Prayer so we may pray these petitions and obtain that which we pray for. We know these things please God because we're His sons in baptism and these words have been given to us from Him. Our Lord says, No servant can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. We pray for the physical and temporal blessings, not so we can serve the body or serve our bellies or serve money like the dishonest manager did. We don't pray for these things to be like him. We pray for these things and we receive these earthly, un these earthly unrighteous blessings so we may serve God and neighbor in Christ's righteousness that's been given to us. So we receive food and drink and clothing and home and goods like the catechism teaches us 
for the support and needs of the body. So to use earthly blessings to support our physically daily needs, that's a good godly use. We don't look down on that. Yet when we're given an abundance of earthly possessions, whether it's money or time or food or home or clothes, we are still, as managers and stewards, serving an eternally rich God. We're given these things not as idols or to serve idols, but to serve God and to help our neighbor. Not to idolize our bodies, not to worship our bellies or our lusts or ourselves, not to clutch onto an abundance in a worry that there won't be enough for tomorrow. We're given an abundance to serve God in loving our neighbor. And so our Lord says, I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. What our Lord is saying here is where the dishonest manager used wealth to make friends for his survival, use your wealth to make friends for their salvation. Where the manager forgave debtors so that he may be served by them, our Lord says, forgive others of their debts against you, so they may see the forgiveness of Christ and the love of the Father. Where the manager made friends to be brought into their houses, so that he himself may be brought into their houses, our Lord says, you make friends with, un with unrighteous wealth to bring them into your house, to serve them, and then from there to bring them into God's house. Where the manager made friends so they could feed him, our Lord says, you make friends so that they may be brought to feed on the bread of everlasting life. Where the manager made friends to get a new job, our Lord says, you make friends to bring them into his vineyard, to make them part of his family. Where the manager was anxious and shrewd with riches for his survival, you be confident in God for tomorrow and be shrewd with the riches of today to make friends now, which will draw them into God's salvation. You cannot serve God and money. But you can serve God and love your neighbor by shrewdly using the daily bread he has given you today. Earthly riches will fail. Money will be spent. Metal will rust. Houses will crumble. Health will fail. But friends made in the faith by means of unrighteous wealth will be there for eternity. As our Lord says, I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they, the friends you made with unrighteous wealth, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. That is the result of serving God with our daily bread. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.
mercy upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Let your merciful ear, O Lord, be open to the prayer of your humble servants, and that they may obtain their petitions. Make them to ask such things as shall please you. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Almighty and most merciful God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks for all your goodness and tender mercies, especially for the gift of your dear Son and for the revelation of your will and grace. And we beseech you so to implant your word in us that, in good and honest hearts, we may keep it and bring forth the fruits of faith by patient continuance and well-doing. Most heartily we beseech you so to rule and govern your church Catholic, with all her pastors and ministers, that we may be preserved in the pure doctrine of your saving word, whereby faith toward you may be strengthened, love and charity increased in us toward all mankind, and your kingdom extended. Send forth laborers into your harvest, and sustain those whom you have sent that the word of reconciliation may be proclaimed to all people, 
and the gospel preached in all the world. Grant health and prosperity to all who are in authority, especially to Joseph, our president, the Congress of these United States, Kim, our governor, the legislature of this state, and to all our judges and magistrates, and endue them with grace to rule after your good pleasure, to the maintenance of righteousness, and to the hindrance and punishment of wickedness, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. May it please you also to turn the hearts of our enemies and adversaries, that they may cease their enmity and hostilities, and be inclined to walk with us in meekness and in peace. All who are in trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, especially those who are in suffering for your name's sake, comfort, O God, with your Holy Spirit, that they may receive and acknowledge their afflictions as the manifestation of your fatherly will. Especially do we pray for those that we name in our hearts at this time. Although we have deserved your righteous wrath and manifold punishments, yet we entreat you, O most merciful Father, remember not the sins of our youth nor our many transgressions, but out of your unspeakable goodness, grace, and mercy, defend us from all harm and danger of body and soul. Preserve us from false and pernicious doctrine, from war and bloodshed, from plague and pestilence, from all calamity by fire and water, from hail and tempest, from failure of harvest and from famine, from anguish of heart and despair of your mercy, and from an evil death. And in every time of trouble, show yourself a very present help, the Savior of all men, and especially of them that believe. Cause all needed fruits of the earth to prosper, that we may enjoy them in due season. Give success to the Christian training of the young, to all lawful occupations on land, sea, and air, and to all pure arts and useful knowledge, and crown them with your blessing. Receive, O God, our bodies and souls and all our talents, together with the offerings we bring before you. For by his blood your Son has purchased us to be your own, that we may live under him in his kingdom. As we are strangers and pilgrims on earth, Help us by true faith and a godly life to prepare for the world to come, doing the work you have given us to do while it is day, before the night comes when no one can work. And when our last hour shall come, support us by your power and receive us into your everlasting kingdom. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, Defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise, and with thy honor all the day. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, Almighty and Everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. 
Through the same Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. We give thanks unto thee, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, thy dear Son, that thou hast protected us through the night from all danger and harm. And we beseech thee to preserve and keep us this day also from all sin and evil, that in all our thoughts, words, and deeds we may serve and please thee. Into thy hands we commend our bodies and our souls and all that is ours. Let thy holy angel have charge concerning us, that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Bless we the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.